Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Tell me again, like, some people were trying to tell me last week that Garth Brooks... Is a spent force. <laughs> Tell me again. They've just announced the third gig, which means you'll have 160,000 tickets sold for the first two, and then you're on to 240,000 for the third. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if we had a fourth gig announced, if not by the end of the show today, definitely by tomorrow. They're going to sell out five, or at least four. There's two of them on sale since the crack of dawn. They're pretty much gone. Third one added just after 8 o'clock. And selling like hotcakes. People are waiting in queues of tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Like, yeah, they're very busy. Ticketmaster said tickets didn't go on sale till, till 9 o'clock, but they're in a queue since early morning. People logged in at 8 o'clock. There were 65,000 people ahead of them. Extra date now added. And they're gone on sale six minutes ago. It's demented. It's demented. But you know what? I have two friends who both tell me that the best concert they were ever at was Garth Brooks. I have one friend who says the second best concert he was at was also Garth Brooks. So... Something to be said for the man. Good morning, 1850-715-996. Another round of the 10K toy giveaway coming your way during the morning. And we continue our wonderful giveaway with the Everyman Panto Aladdin. But first, COVID and the kids. They were gaslighting the hell out of us yesterday. We were being told, oh no, we never said schools were safe. Well, they did. Eight or nine or ten times said that schools were safe. But Ronan Lynn says yesterday, they kind of said, well, schools were safer, but we never really said schools were safe. Actually, they did nine or ten times. 
And as for creches, well, that's another thing entirely because for any number of reasons, we know the childcare and the creche sector is literally on its knees, apart from trying to get staff. COVID is a massive problem. Elaine Dunn, Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Uh, the, the sector on its knees, Elaine. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Yes, we absolutely are. We are at crisis point. We have said this now for weeks and weeks and weeks. In the last four weeks, the numbers of COVID cases within services has gone up dramatically. Staff are out sick, children are out, uh, nobody seems to be listening. Um, we can't get staff. We've always been struggling for staff, as you're well aware. And we are now at crisis point because now with the schools being allowed to take in people with degrees and that, they're going to start taking staff again from our sector. So where does that leave us? And mm. I've said this before, I lost four staff in September to schools as SNAs. You know, we cannot keep this up. You know, when you when you hear uh, our Taoiseach saying, you know, we are going to get these antigen tests, but there has to be fine tuning. I mean, what fine tuning do you need to open a box and send them out to the sector and as quickly as possible and stop all of this nonsense of holding them back? We know that there's so many of them in a warehouse here somewhere in Ireland. So please put them out to the sector and put us at, you know, make that the whole sector safe. Mm. We need something here. We cannot keep it up. Our staff are worn out. We're physically and mentally worn out. And I'm not joking, PJ. I'm not saying this lightly at this point. We really are. And we're trying to, you know, keep the economy going, taking the children for parents so they can go to work. But at what point do we say no more? Yeah. And we're at that point where we have to say no more. We cannot do this anymore. We can't do it without the supports. The EWSS, they're going to start taking that away from us now in December, which will then start to cut down the pod systems, which will then put us at more risk. Yeah. That cannot happen. Mm-hmm. It just can't. I got into trouble during the week. Someone criticised me for saying on the air that the schools, particularly the uh, primaries, and I would believe also the the care sector, the the, the early childhood sector, riddled is an un, not an unfair word. Riddled with COVID nineteen. In the last four weeks, it has gotten dramatically worse. Absolutely, and you can go online. You can see the statistics. They are there. You know, when when you hear from even the department saying that it has changed, you can see it on the HSE website. You can see the numbers, and it has gone up dramatically in the last four weeks and that's only going to get worse as the winter comes in Mm. and can i just say to parents any parent that is listening children are getting fairly ill they are vomiting continuously they're getting dehydrated so vomiting is a big big part of this covid virus in children so please be vigilant if your child is vomiting at all to go for a pcr test or take an antigen test Mm. i'll be be talking to a pediatrician in a few minutes i'll actually bring that up Uh, are you seeing that you're seeing children we're hearing it everywhere absolutely i've asked all different services what way are children presenting and vomiting seems to be the worst the worst symptom that they're having and a, a cough and a runny nose but definitely vomiting is one of the, the big mm. the big ones. Your shortage of staff was, was trouble enough without COVID but it must be making it 10 times worse now. Uh, absolutely. Look, staff have to go out. So I had COVID this week in my service so I had to close down my after school pods for a couple of days waiting on HSE by the way to come back to me took 
nearly 48 hours. Uh, I was two and a half hours on, on a line waiting for someone just to answer me. Um, so I just made a decision, conscious decision for everybody. I was closing the pods, staff were going to be tested and all parents did antigen tests and we reopened the pod yesterday. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, we just can't take those risks. We have to do a deep clean if COVID comes into our service at all. We have to be able to let the staff go home and isolate or get their PCR test. But unfortunately, with the PCR test, they're taking up to 48 hours before you even get an appointment. Yeah. So you're talking five, six days before that staff member can come back. Yeah. So in that case, you're then saying to parents, can anybody that's in a position, can you please keep your children home today? because we don't have the staff, we're going to be out of ratio. And there isn't a thing we can do. And I hope parents can really understand where we're coming from, because we cannot put our, our businesses at risk of being non-compliant with TUSLA regulations. You know, we're, we're up against it in every angle mm. in, in this sector. We really are. Elaine, people are taking a chance. And one of the reasons they're taking a chance is because it's four weeks to Christmas and there are many mm-hmm. people in jobs where if they don't turn in they don't get paid and if little Johnny or Mary or Susan or Paul is a bit under the weather but they look like they're okay or maybe they're not symptomatic at all but one of their little friends is after a party last week they're sending them in, they're taking the chance because they don't want to take the time off work that's your nightmare scenario Yes, absolutely. And what we have had is where children come into services um, at, say, half eight or eight o'clock in the morning. And then by quarter past 11, half 11, temperature spikes. And there you go. Uh, they're sick and there's nothing you can do. You have to send the child home. But we know then at that point that they've either been given Calpol or Nurofen to keep the temperature away. And I know that parents are under pressure. Please believe that we do understand from the parents' perspective as well, the pressure they're under. But we don't want to have COVID closing the whole service down. If we have to shut down for the couple of days or if you have to get somebody in your family to mind your child for those couple of days, if you're in that position, please do it. Don't send your children in sick to us. You know, we, we had a scenario where a child came to the back door with a runny nose and a little cough. And I was told by a parent, um, but it's not COVID. And I said, no, but your child is sick. I'm not taking a sick child in. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So we're, we are up against it. But, and, I, and the parents are as well. So somehow the government has to do something here that suits all of us and helps us all. And the antigen tests. That's one start. If we have enough antigen tests here, that we can antigen test ourselves here as staff and give them to parents if a child is symptomatic and hand out that antigen test to parents and say, go home and do that antigen test and let us know what the results are. I was in Tesco's this morning early and there was a guy just taking like boxes and boxes and boxes of them off one of these stock trolleys in the shop. They're, They're out there hundreds and thousands of antigen tests in every second shop but still you guys can't get the supply that you need without going out and paying hard cash for them which will cost you a lot of money if you have to buy a lot of tests okay so i i bought 50 tests there last week and i paid 400 euros for the 50 tests now they are the sars ones they're they're a particular one that we have used all along and i trust and they're eu mm. regulated yeah so the, the ce mark on them are okay yeah Yes, and we have used them here in our service all along. And of course, I'm going to get them, PJ, because I don't want to put any of my staff at risk at all. I've also given them out to parents where we felt that the parent wasn't coping and that we were just going to help them and give them the test and say, look, just go home and do it and then let us know. And then just keep a child. If it's not, then keep a child home for the 48 hours. You know, the normal. We just say keep them home for 48 hours if they're under the weather until symptoms change. 
you know, and, and the temperature breaks and stuff. So, you know, we, we are all trying to do our best and so are the parents, but I totally understand the parents' perspective on, on this and I totally get our side of it as well, where the pressures we are under because staff are out sick or out isolating or it's in the household as well. What is your federation calling on government to do in the immediate term as well as get, so, get you the antigen tests but something else besides that okay so we we are calling on them to leave the ewss as it stands for the coming months until we see where this COVID is going and, and to allow us to keep the pods in place because if that funding is pulled there is no way can we afford to pay the cleaners that are coming in the kitchen helps that are coming in and all of the other auxiliary staff that are coming in to help and support the service they will be gone because we will not be able to afford to pay them and that's factual. The funding that we get at the moment is not enough to keep our business sustainable, and we've always said that. And um, the other thing, the antigen tests we're calling for, priority PCR tests is another one. Please prioritise it. If an antigen test comes back and it's positive, please prioritise our staff to get the PCR test as soon as possible. Not four or five days wait. It's absolutely ridiculous. And um, some staff, by the way, also have to go to different counties Mm. to get PCR tests as we speak, you know. Do, do you accept what, I think it was Paul Reid, I may be wrong on exactly who said it, but I know it was said yesterday that there's not a health system in the world could cope with this kind of pressure on a, on a PCR testing system. Do you accept that? Uh, do you know, to be fair, yes, I do. So then why have you not rolled out the antigen tests? Yeah. You know, it's, antigen tests have been used all over Europe. Okay, yeah. and they're working. Yeah. And they've been working since last Christmas, by the way. So we are like 11 months behind here. Why are we 11 months behind? I have no idea. I would love to get in there to ask a lot of questions in, in the doll to a lot of TDs as to why this is continue, continuously going on the way it is when you, it's very clear and evident that antigen tests work. Okay. Elaine, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Elaine Dunn, the Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. The sector on its knees due to many issues, but COVID at the moment being the principal one. She mentioned vomiting as a symptom, and she mentioned how many, many young kids are getting sick. They're not asymptomatic, or they don't asymptomatic, or they don't have just a little snuffle, like we're told. A lot of children are getting very sick. We'll take a look at that next. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings 8 to 10 with Griffin's Potatoes. Make the perfect chip at home with their chipping potatoes. Once you taste them, you'll be back for more. Now in store. Cork's 96FM. Dr. Neil Lynch, consultant paediatrician at the Bonds, has been on the opinion line many times during this COVID crisis. Neil, before I go and talk about your tweet of last evening, just that question raised by Elaine with regard to vomiting in children who subsequently turn out to have COVID. Have you seen that? Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, I suppose in the hospital, we're not seeing that because generally children don't get sick enough to need to come to hospital, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, but GPs are certainly reporting tummy symptoms. Now, um, it, vomiting hasn't yet made it into the HSE guidelines, but diarrhea has. Mm. So I suppose by extension, you know, tummy symptoms are certainly becoming increasingly recognised as a symptom of COVID in young children. We've seen a huge number of cases recorded in the under 10s in the last couple of weeks, but they are by far now the biggest group uh, testing positive on a day-to-day basis. There's a kind of a false belief out there, isn't there, Neve, that children just shake this thing off in a couple of days, it does them no harm. Uh, yeah, so most children do shake it off, um, but obviously the children that I would see in the aftermath of COVID would either have complications from the COVID itself or have ongoing tiredness or loss of taste or, you know, various other symptoms like headaches and things like that. Um, so yes, you know, it's like many illnesses, the vast majority of people will be fine. Uh, but a tiny percentage will not be fine. And, you know, if you look back through the, the years and the decades, polio would have been like that as well, you know, and I'm not I'm not comparing COVID with polio, don't get me wrong. Sure. But, you know, the, it, that happens with certain viruses. Measles are the same. You know, most children will be fine with measles, but a small percentage will become very unwell and a small percentage again will die. Now, thankfully, with COVID, thank goodness we haven't seen any deaths in young children. Mm. What do you make then of the attitude of government and indeed attitude of NEFET to the primary school sector in particular? Um, I suppose it's hard to talk about attitudes. Maybe actions would be actions, easier to perhaps, talk about. better word then, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, look, um, better mitigations in school is something that I personally and many of my healthcare professionals colleagues have been calling for for some time as have teachers and teachers have been powerful advocates for children throughout all of this um we're in the cold grip now of winter and most classrooms are trying to ventilate uh, by opening windows mm. and children are cold you know i'm looking at my own kids coming home and they're bone cold, you know, that cold oh, that it yeah. takes them yeah. ages to warm up, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like my father telling me about school in the 50s, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, they're very cold. Um, the CO2 monitors, not all classrooms have them. Now, my daughter's school, she has one in her class. And to be fair, they take action as soon as it goes orange or, you know, like this. So there's they have a great protocol in place, but not every classroom in the country has CO2 monitors. And Really, they should have adequate ventilation as well, you know, like with these HEPA filters and things like that. They're not that expensive. Um, and, you know, we have to accept that COVID is airborne. It's it's spread by people breathing and coughing. It's not spread so much by surfaces and things like that. And so, you know, of course, it's important to wash hands and things like that. Yeah. But really, the emphasis needs to be realigned to the ventilation measures. And yeah. look, we have to have a conversation. Mary Horgan was on the radio this morning, Professor Mary Horgan. She's the president of the RCPI. And she was on the radio this morning saying that children in school need to be wearing masks. Yeah. And that's a conversation maybe we should have had a long time ago. Well, no, you know, but it gets the, la- the, the last time we did have that conversation, HICWA said that it wasn't... Yeah. To, to, to be recommended. Now we think Nifet are looking at it again. I mean, 
children children are what you do as they say i mean the, the the talk has been and every time it it's mentioned. I, I get messages from, ah, it's so hard on the poor little kids. Put them in a mask all day. Is it hard on them? And should we put them in a mask? It is hard on everybody to wear a mask. You know, I suppose we get used to it. We've gotten used to it over the last year. Children are incredibly adaptable. And I think we need to give them a bit of credit. You know, a lot of the children who come in to see me, aged down as young as three, wear masks perfectly well. Of course, children with special needs and learning disabilities and things like that would probably not be able to tolerate it. Yeah. No, but extra mitigations should be put in place. Like sensory issues in a, a little six-year-old yeah. with autism. Yeah, exactly. Example, you know? Yeah, or, you know, somebody who had, like, say, you know, any sort of facial um, issue, you know, like a cleft palate or anything like that, yeah. they might find it hard. You know, like structural sort of anatomical problems um, but the vast majority of kids like oh like and I'm not saying the smallies now right so but once they get over the age of eight say from third class up I, I don't see that they would have a major problem but obviously all of these things have to be evidence-based you know and we're trying to do best practice but I think we're behind the curve with a lot of things with regards to classrooms so um, some of the studies that were quoted to sort of um emphasized to us that schools were safe back in September were based on a Spanish data which was actually derived from children wearing masks in school. So it wasn't applicable to the Irish population because they weren't wearing masks. Ah. And so, you know, we have to take an honest look and have an honest kind of grown-up conversation about masks because as soon as anybody mentions masks, the accusations around, you know, cruelty to children and stuff like that get flung about Mm. like confetti at a wedding. And, you know, the thing is that nobody wants to do anything that will harm a child, but, you know, how is it helping a child to have them in a classroom where they are potentially exposed to a virus? Would you not want to put all the protections that you could in place if you want to keep the schools open? Mm. Because the whole other conversation is, can the schools stay open? Yeah. I mean, I can see it now, messages already starting to drop into our text and WhatsApp to say, putting a mask on a child is cruel. Yeah, and they haven't ever seen real child cruelty. They haven't seen what cruelty to children actually is. I have. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about it, but that's not cruelty to children. Yeah, I think that answers you know, that so question, even You don't need to say another word. And yeah, you're, that, that, that answers that question. You tweeted last evening, most of the people delivering the keep your symptomatic children home message are middle-aged, middle-class men. Most of the people trying to follow that message are not. What do you mean by that? Mm. Well, I could have said people there. It's not all men, obviously. Um, But uh, I suppose everybody I heard on the radio last night was a man. But the messaging is mixed. It's confusing for people. Uh, If you look at the HSE website, there are two separate sections in terms of when you should keep your child at home. Both of them say different things. Um, You know, it is very, very difficult for parents. I'm, I'm meeting them every day. They're bringing their children for COVID tests, you know, couple of times a month because the symptoms could be COVID and they're doing the right thing. Now they can't get the COVID tests, so they have to stay at home. These are working people. They have to stay at home with their children. And I'm not saying it's right to send children to school. I'm not saying that Mm. at all. But I think Mm -hmm. it needs to be acknowledged by somebody somewhere that the burden on parents at the moment is immense. And for parents who are in precarious jobs, for parents who, um, you know, are in low-income families, 
it's very, very difficult. And maybe some sort of support needs to be put in place. Maybe employers need to be instructed to um, make some accommodations for these people. But yeah. those kind of conversations aren't being had. Yeah. And it needs to be recognised. Now, it's probably going to be three or four weeks of just things being bad and feeling very bad. But like we're in the run up to Christmas. It's a very difficult time for some families and somebody needs to have that conversation that these are parents who are at the pain of their collar and who are trying to do their very best mm. but it doesn't seem to be being acknowledged and then the messages that are coming out are quite mixed you know schools are safe and then suddenly oh no we never said schools are safe things like that you know yeah, did you feel there's, a little bit gaslit by that yesterday Neve? Mm. I don't think I'd be alone um, in feeling that, you know. Um, I think, look, they're under a lot of pressure at the moment and um, they're they're doing their best. And look, this is everybody's first pandemic, you know. Um, but I think, like, it's the same thing. Let's just have a conversation and let's not just persuade ourselves if we keep, keep saying schools are safe, they'll be safe. That's not what happens. You have to actively mm-hmm. make schools safe. And I've been saying that for months, many of my colleagues have as well. Yeah. You have to make schools safe. Uh, just pick up again on something you said a minute or two ago. The, the whole mantra of schools being safe over the last few months. Did I hear you right when you said much of the data on which that was based came from places like Spain where children were wearing masks in class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that paper. It was tweeted out by a member of NEFIT, and so I went and read it. And in the first paragraph, it states that uh, children were wearing masks. So that test group, in other words, was a totally different set of circumstances. I would, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it, it is a difference. You know, if you look at the the recent uh, data from the WHO about masks, that they reduce transmission by, I can't remember exactly, more than fifty percent. Anyway, um, you know, there is data there. There's evidence there that masks are effective. Uh, so look, and I'm not like I'm not saying put smallies in masks. I'm not saying that at all, but maybe consider it for the older kids. Yeah. You know, in older being what seven, eight. I'd say over the age of eight, they might be able to manage it, you know. Um, but we, we would what, we won't what know unless we What age did they start in the other countries, do you know? Six. Right. Mm. Would you, you wouldn't go with six, no? I don't know, sure, it's not up to me. But like, um, you know, I think we we should start somewhere anyway at this yeah. stage, do you know. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we could be closing the stable bo- door after the horse is bolted now there's at this stage, well. you know, looking at the numbers. Yeah. There's, there's that yeah. as well. I mean, Americans, American kids have been wearing masks for some time as well. Even during, even during the Trump, the Trump, the last of the Trump days, mm. they were wearing wearing masks in school. Neve, you were the one who who coined the phrase, which we come back to many times. My mask protects you, and your mask protects me. Maybe we've forgotten that message a little. Yeah. Look, I think adults have have been still pretty good. There was a lot of discomfort and upset in the early days, if you remember, around adults having to wear masks as well. You know, like, I hated it. Not, I didn't lie, but I yeah. hated it. Yeah, people weren't... Ha- but everybody... I actually, most of the time, feel more comfortable with a mask on now in crowded situations yeah. than with it off, you know? Um, and uh, look, I think it's just, it's just time to have a conversation around yeah. the schools again. And masks are only part of it. Like, this is the big problem that like, everybody said vaccines are, are, are the way out of this, right? But if you look at the response to COVID, it's a ladder, right? So at the bottom of the ladder, you have your, you know, your hygiene and your 
cough etiquette and things like that. But then you have your um, masks and then you have your social distancing and then you have your ventilation and then you have your vaccines. But if you take out the rungs of the ladder, you still can't crawl out of the hole. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So if you take away the mitigations like the ventilation and stuff like that, then there's you can't there's no, all the steps aren't there, so you can't get out. So vaccination is one step, masks are one step, ventilation is one step. But you have to have all the steps, otherwise yeah. we're just going to keep. Like I mean, how many times have we had this conversation oh. now? You know, and the last time I talked to you, I was so happy because of, like the numbers were good, yeah. and we're back in it now. I mean, you know, the Orla Hagerty. I don't know if you um, follow any of the stuff that oh, she puts out. She's an artist. Like she predicted this pretty much to the minute in terms of when uh, the wave was going to come again, because in the reality is our climate, we have to be indoors in the winter because it's freezing outside. And so uh, then then the virus can circulate more because it's airborne and it's it thrives inside where it can just hop easily from one person to the next and, you know. Without open windows or ventilation, you're not going to win. Eve, on the subject of the vaccines, we, we know that the European Medicines Agency and then NIAC, between the two of them, were probably just maybe weeks away from a decision on vaccinating the under-12s. Can it come soon enough in your mind? Uh, I think, like everything, we have to do all the other stuff first. Yeah. You know, like we thought we could vaccinate our way out of this as a country and we have, we've proven that we can't. Yeah, and so well, no, what I mean is, this is know, one of the tools in the drawer that yeah. I have, that you have, that everybody else has. All the adults have access to vaccination; the children mm, don't, so they're missing a tool in the armory. They are, but you know, adults are still, despite being vaccinated, are still getting infected. True, Do you know what I mean. True, so, true. like that's why you still need everything else in place. And like this will, this will not go away. Or, you know, will continue to be present in high numbers with high levels of severe infection until everybody's been infected or we start to adopt mitigation measures to try and slow it down again. Yeah. You know, so like unless we do all the steps of the ladder, we're going to keep falling back into the hole. And, you know, pinning all our hopes on a vaccine for under 12s will land us back in the same situation again. We have to do all the steps. Just for a minute or two more, can I bring you back to something you wrote in February in the Examiner, Neve, um, which which mm-hmm. I read about children being the canaries in the coal mine. Look back mm-hmm. then, and come back to come to where we are now. Yeah, our children. You 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 predicted then that many of our children would unfortunately be 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 damaged for quite some time. Do you still hold that view? Are you still seeing that? Still seeing it, PJ, but a lot less. They had a great summer, which really helped. And getting back to school, getting back to school was so important. But what I'm seeing now is anxiety again around school because the talk is, will the schools open again after Christmas? And so my lovely little patients who love school and love their teachers, they're asking me, you know, (laughs) do I think they'll be going back to school after their holidays? And I can't give them an answer. You know, I, I can't, I, I tell them, oh yeah, everything will be fine. Of course I do, but that may not be, that may not prove correct. And so the anxiety is creeping back into their little faces again. You can see it, you know. So I really think children ha- have to be prioritized. I've said this repeatedly. I've said it till I'm blue in the face, you know. Um, the priority has to be children. They, you know, like Whitney Houston said, they are the future. And if if we sort of repeatedly kind of, 
upset them and deprive them of their social contacts, then we are shaping the kind of people that they're going to become. And, you know, that will stay with them then for the rest of their lives. Already, children have learned that there's no point in making plans and that mummies and daddies break promises that they've made about birthday parties and communions and things like that because they don't have the control that they had before. Yeah. So they've learned to let go of, of plans and, you know, how long is it until they let go of kind of hope and a bit of crack and, you know, yeah. because that's what happened when they were deprived of school. They definitely became very flat and very down in themselves. All of them, you know, and some were fine, but some became very dysregulated, you know, yeah. and they've been OK. They've been OK since uh, since the summer. They've had they did have a great summer and the weather was great as well, which really helped. Um, but the anxiety, I can see it in their little faces, the anxiety is creeping back again, you know. Now, that's not a scientific statement. That's no, just no, but what your, your observations as a doctor. Yeah. Throughout this, Neve, you've been you've been one of our best contributors. We've been on frequently with us throughout the pandemic. And I, I don't, maybe we will or maybe we won't speak again this side of Christmas. But you must be sick, sorry and tired of it now. I am, you know, that phrase that your parents say, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm disappointed that we're in this situation again when so many of the moving cogs uh, were were identifiable as potential problems and were pointed out over and over again repeatedly to the people uh, in, you know, who have some control over this and either ignored or not heard or whatever um but you know i'm getting to the point where i feel that we have been let down um and i i feel very very bad for my colleagues who work in in intensive care and in the adult side because they're just their hearts are breaking all over again and they're very tired now you know i mean i'm i'm lucky and we're lucky in pediatrics obviously we're dealing with all the other viruses but my hospital you know across the city across the country um They've seen awful things and they're going to see more difficult things, you know. Yeah, it's terrible. One last one before I let you go. When this call has come in to us, when the schools were closed for months, all the school children were around in massive gangs on the streets and in estates. If the schools were open then, they'd have been in a more controlled environment. There'd have been no horseplay. You have to look at that too. Is that person missing the point? Yeah, so um, outdoors is actually pretty safe um, for kids. So uh, that's another thing that children have had to endure, actually, is the sort of side eye from the older generations, you know, when they when they gather in groups outside. Um, and generally, it's always been outside. These are, these are not people who are going to nightclubs or <laughs> anything like that, you know. These are kids outside playing. And they do get disapproving glances and tuts, you know, and they're not actually doing anything wrong that outside is a safe environment. The problem is the classroom. It's the indoor environment. It's where air becomes stale and hangs around and the virus is, if somebody in the class has it, if they're breathing in and out in a static air, then the chances of somebody else breathing in that virus is much higher than if they're around outside when the air is circulating. Okay, leave it there. Uh, as always, thank you so much for your contribution to the Opinion Line. Dr. Neave Lynch, consultant pediatrician. Thanks, Jan. I'll talk to you later. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. 
Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96 FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on the Cork County Senior Football Championship final between St. Finbars and Conakilty. And the big game in the Premier League is Chelsea versus Manchester United. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. With Firebird Heating Solutions. If you're building, think of the Firebird Air Source Heat Pump with underfloor heating and heat recovery. See firebird.ie. Right here, right On Cork's 96 FM. We got this in and we have contacted the organisers, uh, but we haven't had a response from them just yet. That's not to say that we won't, of course. Hello, PJ. As a concerned parent due to the rising numbers in COVID with many patients in hospital with COVID who are vaccinated and still suffering. Adult nightclubs are cancelling due to the rising numbers because of restrictions and curfews and things. And events have been cancelled for less. But here we are now, Friday the 26th of November, it's tomorrow, the Highland Teens Disco in Newmarket is going ahead. It's sold out. Tickets sold in seconds. Capacity is nearly 2,000. All cramped into one building. How is this allowed to go ahead? As a concerned parent, can you bring this up and find out exactly what is the club going to enforce to make sure safety is their priority? I completely understand that teens have lost out in a huge part of their lives due to COVID and that they need to socialise and get to meet each other. But the impact this will have on so many other families if these students contact COVID is surely uh, too big not to mention. A really concerned Parent. We have contacted the organisers of that event at the Highland. So far, they haven't replied. They may do. They may well do. I know a lot of stuff is being quietly cancelled this weekend and weekends past. I was supposed to be involved in Pride of Cork Awards tomorrow night. They're cancelled until March. So, too, are another set of awards, the Business Awards, for Saturday night. I was due to have the honour once again of emceeing Teen Idol on Sunday coming. That has been cancelled until the new year. There was a little get-together for old radio heads that we do around this time every year. That's been cancelled until the springtime. So things have been cancelled right, left and centre just to give, I suppose, give COVID a break. Caller says, whatever about the epidemiology of kids being indoors versus in school, the reason they're getting side-eye, as Neve said, is because people are worried what they're up to. They're bored without school. They're throwing stones at houses to get a chase off the owners. This terrorises babies and old people. I'm living in Harbour View. It's constant since the pandemic started. PJ, I'm far from a scientist. I'm also far from an anti-vaccination person. Your kids were small once. Best of luck keeping a mask clean, not touched on a small child. Never mind keeping it on for five or six hours a day. Well, that would be, I think, a job of a parent to try to teach the child to do their best, at least. To do what's good enough, at least. I'm totally with Neve on this. I'm totally in the belief that we should be. And bearing in mind, the schools are safe nonsense that they were telling us was coming from countries where the kids were wearing flipping masks. 1850 We have another giveaway with the Everyman Panto 2021, which is Aladdin. We want to send you and the family to see Aladdin on the 9th of December. That's two weeks tonight. 
show opens on the 8th. We want you to send to want to send you to the Panto on the 9th of December and we also want to send you to dinner before that. Okay? And we have a question every day based on Aladdin. And by the way, the performance is being put on in a COVID-compliant manner. Every man have assured us of that. At the moment, it's still going ahead. And we hope to goodness it gets, that remains the case. And it'll all be done in a COVID-compliant way. So hopefully on the 9th of December, we'll send you and your family off to the Panto and for dinner beforehand. Here's the question for today. Complete the Aladdin theme song. A whole new blank. Complete the title of the Aladdin theme song. A whole new blank. All right. Give me the answer and your name to 083 396 96 96. Yeah, today we're sending you to dinner. The winners of our panto competition today will be going for dinner at Thompson's Restaurant and Brewery. Thompson's Restaurant and Brewery. I'll give you that question again a couple of times during the morning. We have pages and pages of responses to Neve and the discussion on what we could be doing for kids. Hi, PJ. How refreshing to hear someone with logic and calm. Neve's a privilege to listen to. Pity there aren't more like her in power. Thanks, Neve. You're making so much sense. Carla says, if people are masking symptoms deliberately and this is causing outbreaks, I don't see antigen making that big a difference. Well, you can suppress a temperature with Calpol or baby Nurofen, but you can't suppress the virus and hide it. So an antigen test would pick it up. I think that's a good bit of logic. Give Calpol to mask kids' sickness so you can drop them to creche and you go to work. So this results potentially in entire creches getting COVID and closing, which means that you're off work anyway and puts more people in the same boat. Selfishness personified our modern society. Another caller, are people naive? The way things are going, most kids are going to get it. It can be very unpleasant. They'll get used to wearing masks. The alternative is surely worse. My niece is seven, began wearing masks in the school system for the last two years since Corona started. My 10-year-old girl's in fourth class, and as well as wearing a jacket, she's now allowed to bring in a blanket because it's so cold in there. Being cold is surely impacting their learning, and I wonder if wearing a mask as well will add to the challenge. Stop targeting the children to wear masks. Maybe make the 20-somethings wear masks at the house parties and clubs. How can she justify kids wearing masks when we have all those students out taking risks left, right and centre? Maybe target those. We've done all we can and now they're blaming the kids for the fourth wave. No mention of the pubs and clubs opening up. It's ridiculous. Well, she's a paediatrician and she works with children in the age group that are now the most vulnerable, as in the most likely to catch COVID. So I think she probably knows a bit more about it than the rest of us. In fact, she does know considerably more about it than the rest of us put together. If nothing else, why don't they put in those little brick-sized vents in schools? In a traditional building, you just knock out a brick. It's a way of doing it in modern buildings too. PJ, as far as I'm aware, this is airborne. Why are we making it where... Why are we wearing masks when the virus can get in around them unless they're the N95s and fit it perfectly. We need to focus on ventilation. Close the schools and all childcare and keep the children and vulnerable people safe. This is shocking. Government need to do something fast. Children are dropping like flies. God love them and everyone involved and give financial support to everyone. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Feels good. Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway is here. I, I, I got a pocket full of cash money. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. For free. Take you on a shopping spree. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. On 083-396-9696. Cork's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre. For toys, food, fashion and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Only on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Still waiting, as you said, for a response from the organisers of the Highland Teen Disco. And we're not questioning for a moment anything that's other than it is a fine, reputable venue and a fine, reputable event. It's just we had an email from a concerned parent wondering at the number, the sheer numbers of kids that would be in there tomorrow night. This comes in. My son was at the Highland this the last time, Halloween spread over three floors. You have to remember the Highland is huge. No way was it 1,000 or 2,000, whatever you called out, at either. My son is not going to the Friday one because of the toy show, but he is going to the one in Wing on Saturday. 260 tickets sold for that. They're spreading it out over three clusters to reduce the chance for transmission. They're both well run, but I really think you have to factor in the size of the Highland to be fair when you're judging it. I was only ever in the Highland once. I DJed there. God, it's too many years ago now that I care to remember. But it is enormous. It's huge. And to be fair, it is. And you'd wonder what crowd they are putting in there. But look, the organisers have been sent an email with a couple of questions. And stuff is being cancelled right, left and centre. But at the moment... That event is going ahead. Kevin reminds us on Twitter one of the reasons it's going ahead and can still going ahead is because it'll be well and truly over by the midnight curfew. And of course, he says to the parent involved, if you don't want your child to go, don't let them go. There is that too. 1850-715-996. 30 days to Christmas. 30 days. One month today, 25th of December. 30 days. Four weeks Saturday is... Christmas. Now, you know me, I'm the biggest child in Ireland. I love it. I can't come fast enough for me and it can't last long enough when it's here. But I guess it's not the same for everybody. It can be very stressful for people, especially the parents of young children. Looking at one maybe 20 feet away from me who, when I said to her, 30 days, four weeks, Saturday, she paled. She just went pale behind the glass. It is stressful. you got to get everything ready. The house, the food, their presence. So how do we ease our stress at this time of the year? And in fairness, and I have to admit it and call myself out, it's the, the Queen Bee often says to me, you know why you're so chilled out about it is you don't have to do a whole lot. 
And she's right, and she's always been right. But it can be stressful, the run-up. And you know what happens as well is you, you think, ah, sure, there's four weeks now. Ah, yeah, it's all fine. And you'll be there with four days, and you still won't have it all done. Vera Kyohan. Uh, hi, Vera, good morning to you. Hey, PJ, how are you doing? Good. How can we de-stress in advance, as it were, and plan properly for these next four weeks to make sure everything gets done, but we don't get a we don't get a heart attack in the process? Okay. Well, my name is Vera from Enjoy Your Home, and the reason I called it Enjoy Your Home is because that is my aim for everyone that they can enjoy their home absolutely year round, and more so even at Christmas time. Okay. So we're all full of great intentions, and we'd love to have a stress free Christmas. But unless we action a few things in the meantime, in the run up to it, we are just preparing to fail, basically, for burnout, stress, overwhelm, chaos and conflict in the home. So it can really spiral out of control very quickly. So, as you said, there's only 30 days left, but life is busy. So I would just aim to simplify the whole season so everyone can enjoy it. The first thing I would suggest is get your calendar in order. So once you have your 30 days ahead, just tick off the things that you have to do. There'll be appointments, there'll be concerts, there'll be things to attend, hopefully, if we're not closed down. (laughs) So get your calendar in order Mm. and just figure out where you have little pockets of free time. Yeah. And then take into those pockets what it is you need to do. I usually create lists in categories because the Marie Kondo method is all about creating categories. So I I have this just brought into every aspect of my own life. So I create lists and the categories would be like food and drink, gifts, decorations, Mm. household chores, and make a list under each one. Yeah. And I actually would share these with the family because as you said, I know myself, I'm a mother of five. I'm one of 11 children. The work does mainly fall back on the woman in the home. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and that's why most women actually dread Christmas because it's huge. It's a huge effort to produce the food, do the shopping, to look well and have the home all organized at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I would say get everyone on board, delegate tasks to teenage children, young children. Um, I've cleared so many playrooms in recent days and um, (laughs) it's frightening to see the amount of stuff that children have already and Santa hasn't come at all yet. But I always say to the children, if Santa sees this mess, he's going to bring a whole lot less. So this is our time. (laughs) Manipulation or what? (laughs) It works, Peter. I'm sure it, it works. Does. I'm sure it, does. <laughs> it does. And when we were small ourselves, and we'd be begging my mother to put up the tree, and she'd say, Oh, when the windows are washed now, and when the silver is shone, and when the glasses are clean, there was more jobs had to be done before yeah. the tree went up. But it was her way of getting things done. I understand that now. But we did it all willingly because we, we, there was a, you know, we were going to get the tree up at the end of it. So children will work well with that. You know, if you say, we, you know, Santa's coming now, we need to get this in order. Uh, they will, and they'll make room for the new toys. Yeah. So I would also say in every other area of your home, like your pantry, your fridge, your larder, get rid of everything that you don't need. Use up your food, clear out your freezer, and just make room for space for stuff that's going to be coming in over Christmas yeah. because we will have more. We will have an awful lot of extra stuff. Would you go through the freezer, Vera, and say, right, do you know what? I put those old, that chicken fillet no that's in there since february the chances of it ever being eaten yeah 
Would you do take that? Take it out and defrost it. Yeah, take it out and defrost it. Use it up this week or next yeah. week and make room for stuff that you will be needing over Christmas that you'll need for entertaining or whatever. Um, I, I don't like waste at all. So anything that can be used, just use yeah. it. You know, yeah. set yourself a challenge to use up the tin tomatoes or the things that are, uh, you know, near their sell-by date and make just room. use them all up. Make room. And the same with cosmetics, because, you know, everyone is going to get cosmetics at Christmas time. Perfumes, lotions, potions, deodorants. Um, go through what you have already. That's another huge uh, uh, category of things that people tend to have a whole lot of in their homes is cosmetics. Yeah. So check them, see what's, what's in use and what's in date and get rid of what you don't. Use up with what you have. And then you can ask people as well about gifts, you know, so you're not inundated with a whole load of unnecessary stuff. Yeah. Discuss with your family what it is you'd like to do this Christmas. Do you want to share physical gifts at all? Would you rather just share an experience with someone, mm. offer them a service, say, look, I'll babysit for two nights for you, or we'll, mm. you know, anything that would yeah. just mean there wasn't going to be clutter coming into the home. Um, and just decides that you're not going to be buying a photo album or a frame or another thing that's going to be left on a shelf um, because it's just gone completely out of hand. And the longer we yeah. stay buying all of these items, yeah, just the bigger our landfill is going to get and the worst impact it's having on our environment, unfortunately. We did this a couple of years ago in, in my family, Vera, and yeah. I was amazed at the response because, you know, as, as, as children arrive, there's more and more smallies to buy for. Yeah. And we were all, my brother would say, what does so-and-so want? Or my sister would say, what are they like this year? So one year I decided to have the difficult conversation. And I said, yeah. okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to do any more individual presents for all the children, right? Yeah. What we're going to do is, when I go to your house, I'll bring a box of sweets and a bottle of wine or something like that for the house. Because we, we all get together on Christmas Day. And do you know what my sister uh -huh. said to me? She said, God, I was wondering when one of us would have this conversation. I know. You're dead right. People are just afraid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, children just have so much. Yeah. And in some houses, Santa comes and then mom and dad feel the need to buy a gift as well. Yeah. So um, I don't know that that's hugely necessary, but yeah. um, it's just, you know, uh, think about think about your spending habits and what it is you could be spending your money yeah. on. Um, in terms of planning decoration, Vera, because uh -huh. decorations are now an industry. And I, I know what happens because, again, it's happened in my house. We'll say, all right, there's that entire section of the attic has to come down <laughs> so that yes. we can decorate the house. I always say the first weekend of December, the second weekend of December, the third weekend. of You actually can spend three weekends, a couple of hours every weekend, rather than one last mad dash on the 21st yeah. of December. Absolutely. That's a great plan, PJ. Mm. Um, I know the Late Late Toy Show is on now Friday night and a lot of homes and, and kiddies are putting the Christmas tree up for that yeah. event. And that's super to have the tree up in advance or whatever. Um, but you don't need to have your whole house ready for no. that event. You know, no. you can do the tree and then do the hallway, as you say, bit by bit. When our and four Christmas go trees go up on different days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm great fun putting more. them all up, but then you have to think of taking them all down. It's not such great fun taking them no, all down not. and putting them away. So only yeah. put up what it is that uh, you feel you need or like to look at, because you don't want too much stuff around you either, and it just gathers dust in the meantime, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, we, it's, yeah. it's gas. Like, we, we started with a small corner of the attic, uh, yes. which we called Christmas Corner. Now yeah. we have Christmas Avenue. 
<laughs> Does it all come down, PJ? Every last nutcracker. Yeah. Well, that, you know, as long as you're using it, it's oh, yeah, great. It's great. And we enjoy it. It's great. You know? Planning, yeah, planning yeah, yeah. the dinner, planning mm-hmm. the food. I mean, we talked about clearing space in the presses and clearing space in the freezer. But planning, yeah. planning the food. It, it's, it's, it's an awful lot of planning for one big dinner. But hey, that's what it is. But look, at the end of the day, it's just a dinner. So just simplify it so that everyone can enjoy it. It doesn't have to be a five-star menu. You know, just simplify it. People are easily pleased with what we get on Christmas Day. Uh, People put a huge amount of effort and stress on themselves to produce stuff that they've never produced before. So it is, at the end of the day, just a dinner, roast potatoes, carrots, whatever you're having, the turkey. Um, it's, It's not a huge deal. But I'd say, again, while you're doing your grocery shopping now these few weeks, throw in a few extra things like yeah. tinfoil, batteries, kitchen towel, things that you definitely don't want to be running out of over the festive season. Yeah. Um, the non-perishable items, just add them to your groceries now. Yeah. Um, and maybe a bottle or two of alcohol or whatever it is you've been eating. Maybe. Um, but don't stress too much over yeah. the dinner. It's only a dinner at the end of the day. Um, just put the emphasis on enjoying the time yeah. with the family is what I would say. Absolutely. Do, do you notice people yeah. still do what I, I know we all did it. Well, my, our mothers did it and my mother did it. The turkey, like the turkey was bought and it was a whole ceremonial yeah. arrival of the turkey. And then you realise <laughs> when you take it out of the oven, there are smaller in captivity. And yes. we go and we pay yeah. to see yeah. them in wildlife parks. Like you don't, oh, yeah. well, you yeah. don't need a small eagle. You don't. You absolutely don't. Now, when we were young, there was eleven of us, so we always got a huge turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that, yeah, it was hung in the back hall uh, for a couple of days, and I was like, oh, my, it's just yeah, the thought of it. But we we used it. Mm. But I continue that tradition until I learned myself. I, I don't need that much meat, you know. So um, yeah, I've, I've learned. I've lived and learned. And you know, to buy a crown of turkey or you know just a stuffed rolled turkey is so much easier. Um, yeah. So all those things need to be ordered as well now in the meantime. So that's yes. another thing to add to your list. Lists, things that need to be lists. ordered, appointments that need to be made. Yeah, 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 the lists are great and just tick them off. And I would leave Christmas Eve out of any list. Oh, yeah. Just let Christmas Eve be a special oh, day yeah. that you can just enjoy. Could not agree with you more, Vera. Yeah, that's the start of the celebration for me anyway. Yeah. I just love to sit yeah, back Eve. on Christmas Eve and enjoy it. There yeah, should be nothing left to do. There should be nothing, nothing left, left to do on Christmas Eve, yeah, yeah except right. enjoy and relax. Yeah, you're absolutely. And today right. is um, Thanksgiving in yes. the USA, and I only wish that we'd celebrate Thanksgiving here. I'm, I am actually doing a Thanksgiving dinner here in my own house tonight because I just feel it's such a lovely celebration, yeah. and that we have so much to be thankful for. And it's in expressing our gratitude that we realise we actually have enough of everything, and do it's you know a beautiful what? celebration. That's a lovely yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I wish more Irish people would embrace the Thanksgiving because it's. I just feel it's a, it's a super, um, yeah. you know. And there's no effort of buying gifts or hassle or anything. It's just about spending time with family. And time yeah. like this, particularly the times we've been through, you know, those of us who have come through it, without it making a huge impact on our lives, we have so yeah. much to be grateful for. We have so much to be grateful for. Absolutely. Yeah. And try not to get caught up in the mayhem and the madness that Christmas brings with us. All right. Vera, lovely speaking with you. That's uh, uh, she, she's uh, she, she, she got her inspiration from, from Marie Kondo, but she's completely set up on her own the last couple of years. Vera can enjoy your home.
Enjoy your home. 1850-715-996. Thanks, Vera. Any ideas as to how you... Pro- yes, stop. Four. Four. We have one in the front room, which is the big tree. That's That goes up no later than the 18th or 19th of December. Earlier if we can do it. We've got one in the playroom. Well, it's now the television lounge. We got we changed it last year. We got one in there. We got one in the kitchen. I won't tell you about the kitchen one. A beautiful one. And then we this year I just bought one of those ones in the in the tub, and that's gone out in the deck. We're mad. We're bonkers. We but we love it. We love it. 1850-715-996 Do you think I'm a child about it? You should meet the Queen Bee. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With McCarthy Insurance Group Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Quartz 96FM. Ah, we saw this coming. We didn't think it comes so fast. They've just put concerts four and five on sale. The 16th and 17th of September, Garth Brooks Live at Croke Park. Tickets on sale now at ticketmaster.ie. The email just in from Aikens. So five gigs on sale for Garth Brooks in September. Remember the, all that old nonsense of the press conference? Oh, I wouldn't be able to do five gigs, never sell out five gigs. <laughs> Looks like he sold them out. That's 400,000 tickets. 1850-715-996. Something you to be doing over the next few weeks for Christmas, hopefully, is buying books as presents. And... One or two books that come to our hand over the next while will feature them as possibly a book that you might want to buy for someone or that you might want to read for yourself. And true crime always sells. It sells really well. And Nicola Talent of the Sunday World has her latest book out. It's out a few weeks now. It's called Clash of the Titans. Nicola, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Clash of the Clans. Clash of the Clans. I beg your pardon. Why have I written that down? Clash of the Clans. Okay. So Clash of the Clans is the story of how organised crime infiltrated boxing. And it's fascinating. Yeah, it's a story really that brings us back to, um, you know, the last few decades in Dublin and the emergence of a gang of street dealers who went on basically to become the Irish Mafia based in Spain, and uh, how its head infiltrate it's the, the head of the mob, Daniel Kinnan, how he infiltrated the boxing world. You know, we hear a lot of stories about Tyson Fury, and he's calling him out and thanking him for organising these massive big boxing bouts. And it's really how he got there, and, um, you know, coupled with the, the story of the, the, the Hutch and Kinnahan feud and how that really exposed him. Um, for his uh, his links to criminality. Mm. Story opens with you on a plane and you spot one <laughs> yeah. of these guys on the same plane and he knows you and you know him and th- that first bit reads, it's, it's a nervous read. 
Yeah, I mean, look, that was an extremely important moment in, in, in this whole story. And it was after the murder of Gary Hutch in Spain in September of 2015. And I was flying out to cover the story and basically um, sitting, waiting for the early flight in Dublin airport. I just got an uneasy sense and turned around and locked eyes with Daniel Kinahan, who was boarding the same flight. Now, he was in the business class. And I was in economy, so that's drug money for you, isn't it? Um, but it was a it was a strange kind of a a moment, a sort of a sliding doors moment for me. Anyway, that uh, we were both travelling on the same plane. I was going out to investigate what had happened, and which at the heart of it really was this internal feuding that had broken out within the gang, and which resulted in in the Ginnahan Hutch feud, which has has been you know, a very significant time in Irish criminal history. How did boxing get roped into all of this? Well, boxing has always had a bit of a whiff of sulphur to it. There's been, you know, going back through the ages, the mob were always interested in boxing. It's a sport which is, you know, very tied into working class communities. And um, criminals have over the years, uh, you know, loved the sport and have. it's always been a little bit... Uh, a little bit of a strange relationship with them. But around 2012 in Spain, Kinahan opened a boxing club, um, which looked small and insignificant at the time. I remember being out there investigating the, the Kinahan Mafia and discovering this little building. It looked like an underground car park, really. But as we watched it, we could see very significant figures in organised crime going in and out. It looked a little bit like a hobby to me in the beginning, mm. but it has grown to unimaginable proportions. Um, Kinahan has claimed to have pulled out of it, not be involved. But every now and then there's instances, including when Tyson Fury called him out, um, as the as the boxing fixer, and when major big promoters in the in the US are are openly saying that he's a really good guy and and they've no problem working with him, yeah. so it's 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 a fascinating kind of a um, two trajectories really that have been going on within the the Kinahan organization. On one side, you have the crime, the drugs enterprise, and on the other side, you've had them sort of legitimizing themselves into this sporting world. Talk to me about the feud. How did it start? Like many of the, the, the great feuds of, of the criminal underground start from the smallest thing. How did this one start? They do. I mean, I remember there was one in, in, the, in the west of Ireland involving gangs and it had started because somebody at a funeral had inadvertently stepped on a grave. I mean, that's how simple these things can be. Uh, things go out of control. There's no diplomacy really in the criminal underworld and there's always paranoia that exists when there's seizures or arrests and there's always they look for somebody to blame they look for whoever has been touting to the police all the rest of it and getting information out of the the criminal underworld is difficult in itself because everything comes everything every piece of information you get is loaded there's a reason behind you getting it there's everyone has you know their own agenda but ultimately i think what happened was a fallout i think um Gary Hutch and Daniel Kinahan were once best friends. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They shared a home and everything together and they had, they shared a dream of, you know, being in control of the Irish mafia. Mm. But I think Kinahan got bigger than Hutch. They started to fall out over money, over accusations of touting. And it just got completely out of control. And, uh, you know, in these cases, when, when you're, dealing with gangland, they don't solve their disputes in a courtroom um, as we would in, in, in legitimate society. They solve them with guns and through murder. And, um, you know, when Gary Hutch was murdered that time and later his uncle, Jerry the Monk Hutch, was targeted in, in Lanzarote and uh, managed to escape what's believed to be an assassination attempt on him, the gloves were off and the two sides, the one group split down the middle And the two sides went to war. It was particularly dangerous because they all knew one another. They all lived cheek to jowl. They knew each other's families. They had grown up together. Um, You know, they had laboured and soldiered together within that underworld. And it meant that they were coming at this feud with lots of intel on each other. And it made for very dangerous times. Now, it has come under control at long last, there's an awful lot of uh, significant players from both organisations in prison. And there's been a huge effort and a huge expense to the state to calm the situation. But, um, you know, it just, like that world, the way it operates, things can blow up in, in a matter of minutes. And when people are killed or when people are targeted, there is no coming back. There's no peace talks. Yeah. There certainly isn't anymore. There used to be a day when the, you know, the leaders would sort of come together and yeah. they'd realise that it's not good for business. because Back, de- back of a dingy pub and they'd sort something out. 
they'd sort something out. They'd talk sometimes, you know, there'd be a fine paid or, you know, there would be agreements that one grouping wouldn't go into another's territory and all that. this. But it just seems to have completely evolved into a completely chaotic society now gangland and and like it just it just gets worse all it's, the time and we, we can see it it's very it's very frightening and of course it all came to a head didn't it in at the regency it sure did i mean that really was uh, you know an incredible moment and that was when one grouping decided to go after the the head of the snake essentially that was an attack and a, a planned attack on daniel kinahan he escaped with his life and one of his uh, lieutenants was murdered and um i think really that public attack on his power and on the power of the the kinahan mob and at the time they were i mean they were massive they controlled an estimated 90 percent of all the drugs and firearms coming into this country so they essentially needed to regain that control and that power and they did so in a, in a very violent, brutal fashion. Um, 18 murders, at least, are, are linked to that feud. Yeah. And there was a very, very violent period of time in, in, in Dublin when there was one murder after another. There, yeah. It just never seemed to abate. There was cars laid up all over the city, loaded with handguns. Um, you know, there were certainly murder teams ready to move in a, in a moment's notice. And it was it was real narco terrorism had come yeah. to this country. It's the kind of thing that Netflix make make series about and make fictional series about. And here it is happening in reality in our capital city. In order to investigate it and work on it as a journalist, Nicola, you have to get very close. And that particular moment on the plane that we talked about at the start, I'm sure there were many moments like that. Have you ever been afraid as you work on this? Well, aware is probably a better word to use, you know. I mean, unfortunately, Veronica Guerin was was murdered 25, coming up to 26 years ago. And that changed everything for crime journalists, like in the mindset that it was no longer, you were no longer felt that you are untouchable. You're just not. I mean, these gangs will go for anybody. So you have to be very aware all the time what you're dealing with and how to work safely. And that means, you know, with, I won't go into exact details, but we would always work in, in teams and yeah. when on operations, when you're trying to get up close and personal. And it's very important to do that. I mean, after the, the Kinahan Mafia were supposedly shut down in 2010 in Spain by international policing, and that was, we were told that in a press conference by Spanish police that they were gone no more. Um, they were back up and running within a couple of years. Um, the Spanish legal system didn't seem to have the facilities to to shut them down. And we went back out to Spain in order to just see what it was like, because it's interesting to see from, you know, a street gang, how they're living. What is it that was the lure into that world? And it is a glittering moneyed, I mean, it's a world where they're surrounded with 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 people protecting them, with spotters, and um, they're living in housing. I mean, there was a, one one occasion that we went along to um, a very very nice luxury properties in in Estepona where Christy Kinahan was living, and um, we were being shown around a couple of properties that were for sale, posing actually as drug dealers, but um, who were all that would have had the money to buy these things at the time, but. Um, we, you know, just seeing that luxury and, and 
you know, realising that at one point Christy Kinnahan went into a court here in Ireland when he was caught with heroin um, back in the in the late 1980s. And he, he told a judge that he had a problem himself and he wanted to come off the drugs and he was going to use his time in prison to study and to make better for himself. But in actual fact, he used that all that he gained within the prison system to go on and to create this mafia. And when you looked at this property, which was one of many he had at the time, and, you know, the security around it and, and just how luxurious it was, it was it was just an irony that, you know, he had used really his his uh, incarceration to help him get there. Mm. Um, you know, we like to think that prisons are a place where, Criminals will can reform, and you know we we give them opportunities within the prison system to be educated, and of course we should do that. We want better people to come back into society, but in this case he had uh, he had used the taxpayers' uh, free education to his own advantages. Yeah, listen, it's a fascinating read, and and you write it like like a novel, which is really fascinating. It's 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 great. Uh, you get really into the depth of the story, Nicola. Congratulations on the book called Clash of the Clans. My apologies, uh, Clash of the Clans. Nicola Talent, the Sunday World, her new book. It's a true crime book. You might fancy it for Christmas. It's in all good bookshops now. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. The zany panto gang are back at the Everyman once more with Catherine Mahan Buckley. The family traditional pantomime returns to the Everyman with tickets on sale now and a full schedule of matinee and evening shows announced. Access all areas. Riverdance returns to Cork Live at the Marquee, taking place from the 2nd to the 5th of June. It's a new 25th anniversary show with tickets on sale now from the usual outlets. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. We talk often about sick children in hospital and where they go to be treated and have their operations and their procedures. We talk a lot about Temple Street. We talk a lot about Crumlin. And anybody who's had a child treated in either of those places knows how wonderful those hospitals are. But there's a move afoot, as it were, to get a hospital of our own here in Munster, up near the CUMH. And one of the men driving that project is Dr. David Milan, who is a consultant paediatrician and interim clinical director for paediatrics at CUH. And he joins me on the opinion line. Good morning, David. Morning, PJ. How are you? This would be something similar, wouldn't it, that we'd have our own? Is it a 78-bed unit? Yeah, well, well, we've always had a long-established paediatric service here in Cork. So we've had a big department here in CUH for for years and one in the Mercy Hospital as well. And what we're doing is we're amalgamating both of those services into a single new fit-for-purpose building on the CUH campus. So it's always been here. We've always delivered great paediatric care Mm. in the region. But but the hospital, the area, the wards we're working out of are very dated and they're not really fit for purpose anymore. So, as you said, there's a lot of media attention about the Children's Hospital in Dublin and, and rightly so, and it's needed for the country. But the reality is that in this region, 
of children admitted here to Cork every day of the week, less than 2% of them actually need to go to Dublin. The vast, vast, vast majority, 98% of all of their care delivered in Cork. And we see kids from all over the Munster here, not just Cork. Um, so what we, we, we are striving to do, and we've been striving for 10 years to do this, is to build a fit-for-purpose paediatric hospital on the CUH ground, replacing the old, outdated wards that we're currently working out of. Now, in what way are they outdated? It's a few years since my children were in a children ward, thankfully. How how are they outdated? Yeah. Well, I suppose when I when I was a young fellow, I, I visited here. Two of my brothers were inpatients here. And the original wards here were built as part of the hospital in the 1970s. Um, we I started back here as a consultant about 13 years ago. And when I started back, I started back in the same wards that my brothers had been in a long time previous. So I was a bit disappointed to come back to that same infrastructure. Since then, we've built a new outpatient area. And we've had to, we moved out of our old wards into temporary decant areas, expecting new wards and a new hospital to be delivered. But that was over five years ago now that we've moved out and we're in temporary old adult wards in the hospital. You know, we're doing our best out of them, but they're not designed for to cater for the needs of children. And we have just been, the process has been delayed and very slow and very protracted to try and get the funding required to really drive this project on and build this hospital. Like we've had drawings about what we need for the last couple of years, but we haven't really got the state capital funding mm. to move it on. But we're at a stage now where cap, um, planning permission is due to be submitted before Christmas. And as you said, it's going to be a 78 bed hospital over five stories and 78 beds of single rooms. And at the moment we don't have enough single rooms. Yeah. It's challenging for us to manage children when you don't have enough single rooms. So single rooms, Big fit-for-purpose rooms. Each room will have a sleeping area for a parent. At the moment, unfortunately, we don't have that. And parents have to sleep on chairs if they can if they can sleep at all mm. beside their child in a, often big open wards. So single ensuite rooms, um, big fit-for-purpose rooms, comfortable space, child-friendly space. The other part of it, as you said, was operating theatres. So people mightn't realise, but in, in Cork, over 5,000 children have an operation here every year. In Dublin, it's about 25,000, but, you know, that's a significant number that have yeah. an operation here in Cork. And they currently have them in different hospitals in in, in adult theatres, essentially. You know, people, they, they're done very well. The operations are very well. The staff are great. But, you know, it's not maybe the most appropriate environment for a child to have to come into a waiting area and be beside an adult. You know, it's it's and it's not appropriate for the adults to have a child beside them either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so in this paediatric only theatre, it'd be bright, colourful child-friendly, only children inside there, and fit-for-purpose theatres so that we then can provide all of paediatric surgery on one site. And then we've got the right surgeons, the right anaesthetists, the right recovery, the right nurses, the right wards. Um, And it's being done well at the moment, but it's across different areas. And we really need to make that fit-for-purpose. What we have at the moment is it's a kind of a branch of the hospital. Hospitals. Yeah. But now you want a specific hospital on its own on the CUH yes. camp. Whereabouts, David? Because I'm thinking that's getting to be a very packed campus. It is It is a busy campus, but if you know the layout, it's essentially where the old paediatric wards were, which they're kind of vacant now at the moment. So there is an area there that there is space. Okay. There's a bit of a storage area behind it. So it needs a bit of work. It needs a bit of excavation. It's, um, well, it is, when it is when a busy you go campus. In, you go in the front and you go downstairs to where the old children's wards were. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Essentially, it'll be in that area, ah, right. but it'll be up much higher than it was. So um, originally, it was a single-story ground floor space. We we built a new day unit and outpatient area, I'd say about four or five years ago, that we're working out on now, which is great. But the wards are just very dated and they're in a different area so we're spread out over three different areas of the hospital now at the moment um which makes it challenging for us as well to deliver services there so it makes makes it much easier and much better and much safer for everyone if we're all in the one area yeah. and the other part we'll have in this one area we you know it'll have dedicated outdoor space for for children courtyard space we need to make nice and friendly the other service that will so when it's when it's operational pediatrics and mercy will close down and move up here so we'll all be on one site and the hematology oncology unit that is there will be part of this build as well. So that's children who have cancers who have a lot of their care delivered in Cork already, which is great. So if we have a child with leukemia, let's say, that we diagnose here, they might have to go to Dublin for maybe the first two weeks or so. Yeah. But then they get their chemotherapy and all their other therapy over a year or two delivered currently through the Mercy. And that then will relocate up here. And those children, because they're more vulnerable, They'll have their own separate entrance into the building, so they won't have to come through the main hospital. They'll have their own dedicated entrance, and they'll have, again, big, large, isolation, fit-for-purpose rooms. Because um, currently, even the area in the Mercy they're working out of, people do their best, but it's mm. it's cramped. It's it's not as, as big as it should be, so that will be delivered as well. And the other important piece we're trying to deliver is um, radiology, so diagnostics, imaging. So currently as well, it's a, in CUH, you know, the x-ray department is old, it's outdated, it's bursting at the seams. Um, so we're trying to get space within the building where we can put an MRI scanner just for children. Uh-huh. And again, make it friendly. It can be a bit of a daunting experience yeah. for a child to go through that. Yeah. But if it's a friendly, nice environment, we hope to deliver that. Yeah. So that's where we need support for just the, what we're doing at the moment. They're trying to get a bit of awareness out there for the public. And we will need a bit of support and help with this because... Other building projects we've been involved in over the years, you might get capital funding for the bricks and mortar. Yeah. yeah. But you mightn't get it for the MRI machine or for getting your theatre the way you really want it to be. You might get the basic spec, but we need to get it the best spec we can get. See. And that's how why much, we're how much could all this cost, Dr. Milan? Yeah, I, I've been asking that question a few times when, when we were discussing with the States maybe a couple of years ago. Initially, it was approximately... 65 million this was before theaters were part of it now i don't have a figure but i'm told it might be around the 18 million mark um which when you look at it you know we all know how much is being spent in dublin the in the nph you know and i I was leaving that one out because that in itself is a whole discussion because i was going to say how much would it cost and how how long might it take to deliver it yeah, so if you look at the, the, the ambulatory care centres in Blanchardstown and in Talla that they've built, each of them cost over 60 million each. So from what I understand, so this project, <laughs> I would think, delivers an awful lot more for one geographical area for a fraction of the cost of what's what's being spent in Dublin. And I'm saying, it's, it's, of course, we need the Dublin service. Of course, we do. And we have many patients who do get care up there that we can't deliver here and that's vital but the vast 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 majority of mm. children in the region have all their care delivered here so they deserve the same standard of facilities and access to services as any other patient in the country so that's what we're trying to achieve yeah would you have a time frame in mind if if planning fell into place for if you planning so if the planning submission is going in for christmas i think planning applications normally take about six months so 
then all going well, we need to get capital funding then. So we need state funding to be approved for next year to allow contractors to be appointed to hopefully be on site in the second half of next year. And then depending on the planning, I think the the build itself, we're told, could take about four years. Mm. So I'd say best case scenario, we're looking at five years time. Right. But but time, time moves along and we need to plan and we need to get it right. And uh, it's taken a long time to get to this stage. I've been involved in this project group for over 10 years and yeah. a lot of my colleagues have as well. So it's it's frustratingly slow, but we're not giving up and we're mm. keeping going yeah. and we're going to get there. Which which is a bit like any pediatric doctor I've ever spoken to. You you guys are special. You don't you you don't hang back. You you stay with it for as long as it takes to to make the child better. David, yeah. what drew you into? You're a child level man. What drew you into pediatrics when you were doing medicine first? What what drew you into it? Into peds, I like the variety in pediatrics. Is my day can be very very varied. You know, I could see my first patient might be a two-day-old who's just been discharged from maternity hospital, who's got some issue, jaundice or poor feeding, whatever. And then I might have a 15, 16-year-old who has cystic fibrosis or some other chronic condition and all types of things in between. So, you know, dealing with children of all ages, everyone everyone is different mm. and it's challenges and it's interesting and you get a lot back from it. You know, uh, thankfully, the majority of children with acute illnesses turn around quickly and improve quickly. Mm. Some obviously don't, and some have chronic conditions, which can be much more challenging to deal with. But um, and children can be very, very sick very quickly. Yeah. And we see that this time of the year, a lot of lot of um, respiratory viral infections around at the moment. We have a lot of kids in unwell. We normally get that in the winter anyway, but we've had a lot of them, a lot more this winter. Last mm. winter, we had very few with the whole public health uh, COVID measures, so it reduced the normal viruses. But this year, we've, we've, we've had loads of them. <laughs> So those kids can get very sick very quickly, um, and some of them do need supports to get through that. But thankfully, the vast majority will also turn around quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's very rewarding, you know, and it's it's exciting and it's different. And there's certainly different challenges every single day, so yeah. it's not boring yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I think any parent who's ever had the need to bring a child to hospital. Uh, appreciates the work of pediatric doctors and nurses and the whole crew because it's not just the doctors and nurses pediatrics is a oh fast. no 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 we've had yeah yeah no doctors nurses we've got health and social care professionals you know occupational therapists physiotherapists speech and language therapists psychologists cleaners we've got great play specialists we've great teachers you know all all everyone works together the cleaners everyone and everyone's thankfully you know friendly on the ward and everywhere and we and we interact a lot with the rest of the hospital as yeah. well you know. And and everyone does their best all the time, you know. So that's and it's just that the the the, the facilities and certainly the wars that we're working out of, we need to make them better and as and, the best and, they can be. And both you and the children deserve better, David. Now that it's out there, if yeah. we can ever do anything here on the opinion line, you know where we are. Just let us know, and and we'll shout about it from the rooftops. Doctor David Milan, he's a consultant. Pediatrician and interim clinical director for pediatrics at uh, at CUH, and I have lost my page. I need to open it again. So I'll do that now. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. They can call. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The week.
on Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See newmarketvolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Write that statement in from the organisers of the Highland Teenage Disco. This is in Newmarket tomorrow night, Friday. We had an email from a concerned parent who was worried about the numbers that would be there given the state of the nation, as it were, with regard to COVID-19 and we're saying that their events have been cancelled for less and events being cancelled all over the place and could we bring this to the organisers and see what they have to say for themselves. We did contact the organisers and we got a statement from them in the last 20 minutes or so. They say they've been in discussion with the Gardaí over the last number of weeks. The event will run at 30% capacity this Friday night. Everybody getting in has to have a COVID cert and ID. These will be checked on entry. It's a ticketed only event. Everyone has to wear masks as per government and HSE guidelines and there will be hand sanitizer available. That is the response from the organisers. 30% capacity you have to have a vaccination pass to get in, masks worn inside, and it's ticket only, etc., etc. So that's the response to the Highland uh, Teen Disco. Just for a go to that one, uh, lads. This came in and I missed it. And I've noticed this happening myself. Exchange rates comes up all the time. But uh, where did... Yes, I just want to bring your attention. I bought a, a kid's magazine. The price on the cover was 450 sterling. In euro, it's scanned in at seven fifty-one. Oh my goodness! So four fifty scans in at seven euros fifty-one. Now that's not anywhere like the exchange rate. Give me two seconds, and I'll tell you what the exchange rate should be. So four fifty should be five twenty-nine in euro, and seven fifty-one is what they were charged. Happens all the time. 1850-715-996. I talked earlier about, you know, planning and staging yourself and putting yourself into getting lists together to be prepared for the Christmas, which is a month today. Uh, 30 days today, a month on Saturday is Christmas Day. But putting the house together, staging the house for the Christmas, it has become more and more important, I think, particularly last year and this year more so again because we'll be welcoming people back to our homes, hopefully this Christmas, that maybe weren't able to come last Christmas. And, you know, we're not doing as much pub stuff. We won't be doing as much pub stuff this year. So the home will become the place to welcome our friends and relatives and getting it ready. Getting it ready is everything. And Maura Mackey from Maura Mackey Interior Design is going to take us through how you might stage the house 
for the festive season. Uh, Maura, good morning to you. So good morning, PJ. How are you? Lovely to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted. Now, we're a month out, so there's a lot to be planned. Is it good to write a plan down? It is. I said, always have a plan in place. I suppose I always say to people, think of your decor. You know, what did you have last year? Was there anything missing or broken? Do you need to buy anything extra this year, be it lights, baubles or ornaments? Or like us all, do we all need to kind of buy new bits? I always say to people as well, which is an important thing before we put up the decorations is give the old house a deep clean, um, especially the kitchen area, because that's obviously what, you know, we're going to kitchen come dining room and stuff like that you know throw out any delf and stuff like that that is broken and stuff like that give the place a good clear out declutter places because obviously um there's going to be a lot of family members in around be it your own family but it gives you a bit more room as well before you start putting up the decorations and stuff like that yeah. and i always say to people you know maybe decorate the main areas in the house first Um, start from i always say start in the outside and work your way in and um, do outside the door the hall the living room and um just kind of that way then, at least if somebody comes into your house and you're not fully ready, you know, maybe you'll have a few garlands up, a few cushions around the place, Christmas tree, scented candle in the bathroom. At least that way then there's a few bits done and then you can kind of concentrate on the rest, rest of the house um, and obviously your Christmas tree. But um, then I always say to people, stock the larder, you don't have extra bits, clean the high traffic areas, you know, kind of give that yearly clean out, the couches, the bathrooms, the deep clean and stuff like that and get the spare room ready. They're the kind of things I say to people because you you always have somebody staying or, yeah. you know, just nice crisp bed linen and, you know, maybe put a nice candle in there just for the, the time of the year that's in it, you know. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of work in, in it. Now, there in, is a, in lot, terms, a lot of work. In yeah. terms of the decorations, themselves like is it the same every christmas or do do there do you get trends and if there is a trend what no, is it this year yeah so i suppose the, oh my god there's different trends all the time and um, i suppose the big trends for this year would be an awful lot of moody blue colors Um, like gold will still dominate the decor but pairs with darker color shade darker shades i suppose um Think about dark blue and purple candle holders paired with light gold reindeers and stuff like this. That would be perfect for a kind of a reindeer setting. Another thing that people are kind of going for is that kind of coastal look. The blush pinks and it's barber natural patterns. I think over COVID, we were all kind of gone back to nature a lot more than we would have been before. Like, you know, the kind of the colours that you would see on rocks and sea, and cre- you know, things like sand. Then there's another thing that's big this year is nostalgic decor, which would be like your vintage ornaments, old crockery all tablecloths mm. and people will be looking at sustainable items as well this year you know kind of what can they use uh, recycled glassware or uh, reusable crackers um, and people are kind of going back into the handwritten kind of placemats and stuff again and yeah. obviously there's the creative side of things that people will be doing their own crafty items and personalisation things with kids and stuff like that you know yeah bringing stuff in from the outside it's lovely greenery yes, bringing yeah. the outside Definitely, without a doubt. So that's another big thing that's there this year is that I suppose since COVID, PJ, we've all got more conscious of the outside space and how value, how how much we valued it when we weren't able to go anywhere else. And um, now that people want to bring nature and natural into the home, I said so. The obvious ones, I suppose, from the nature side of things would be your, your greenery from the garden, like um, you, like palm tree, a bit of palm, a bit of firs, a bit of holly, and if not in your garden, go down the road. You'll bound to pick it up some berries acorns there and you can make a bit of a fun day with your kids off you go and pick them up and these all can be used in your garlands you know like your, you can use them for sideboard scenes or on your console table they can be used for your dining room table settings you can put them into lanterns you can put them into vases to kind of create a scene or boxes or anything like that I suppose 
And another way, I say, people say to me, oh, but if I bring in the natural greenery, like, how can I keep it fresh? You know what? Just have a little spray bottle on the ready. And I suppose the other thing I say to people, when you do have natural greenery and stuff like that in the home for Christmas, maybe don't have the heating on in the house when you're not there, because obviously they'll dry up if you if you do, you know? Yeah, a little, little spray bottle of water and stuff. Of course, the most natural green thing you can have in the house is is a real tree. Is there a trend yes. back to the real tree? Well, I think people have got more conscious of nature and outside space, as I said. So I think definitely the, the real tree is definitely uh, got more popular this year. Um, there's actually, just want to let you know this now, there's actually a guy in Black Rock, Cullum. He actually has his own business called Carpot Grown Christmas Trees and he's down the Black Rock Hurling Club. I just want to give a shout out because I think it's a great idea. You can rent your Christmas tree and you can return it after Christmas. So from a sustainable point of view, it's fabulous. Yeah, and you can also get another one and plant it in the back garden as well when you're done. You can, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You can do that as well. I just think that, you know, he's a local business and, you know, I suppose it's, you know, we all, like, you can't beat. And I suppose it saves the bother of actually trying to get rid of it as well, you know, and it's available in different sizes and wonderful. And I suppose you can't beat the smell of the the real Christmas tree. No, you can't. It's kind of a real smell of Christmas in your home. No, no, you can't. The way people decorate their homes... It has changed in in recent years, hasn't it? Yes, big time. I suppose before, I, I suppose I'm on thinking we were growing up. Once you had the Christmas tree and there was a bit of tinsel and a few baubles, um, you you were set. You know, you had the decorators hanging off the ceiling. I suppose people are kind of more into sophisticated colours now, which would be the whites, blush, kind of pinks, greens, copper, bold colours. Now the red and gold will always be the, that we had it years ago. They'll always be still in place, and they're kind of more. I think they're more popular back. They're back more popular this year, um, again. Whereas they were kind of dead in the water there for a while, but they're back with a bang now this year. The other thing as well, I suppose, PJ, people are entertaining more often now, mm. um, and they're in their homes. They love their decor, um, I suppose. The old, what we would used to talk before would be the the baubles. They're not just rum baubles no anymore. They now have baubles and shapes of birds, like That's you right. know. And they're not just cheap baubles like you would have got before. Like these are really classy. People are paying big money now for baubles and everything for their tree. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I suppose in just to give you an example, like in two thousand nine, um, people would have spent like the, the 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 red, gold, and silver would have been in the most popular in twenty twenty. Clear white, blush green, and copper are. Um, in two thousand nine. Four foot trees are more popular now in 2021. You're talking about eight foot, nine foot trees. And like people before, would, you know, the idea of putting on the lights and the whole lot, people are all mad for buying the pre lit Christmas trees now. Really? That have the LED lights on them that you can just take them out of the box and they're there. So they're, they're things that have kind of become very popular for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I must say, I love the job. It's uh, I do it, the job putting the tree lights on and taking the tree lights off. That's the job I do that with my daughter, and we've we've great fun. The prelit prelit doesn't have a whole a lot of attraction for and me. There are all time favourites, yeah. though, aren't there? There are all time favourites that never they're always there. Ne- never change. I suppose the all time favourites would be obviously the Christmas tree. My gosh, that's the that's the main focus in the house for Christmas is the Christmas tree. But the big thing now is that people aren't just having one anymore. They might go for an eight foot tree one summer, but they might put a four foot tree somewhere yeah. else. And the all time favourites are garlands. I think they're such versatile versatile items in the house. For Christmas they can be used on the banisters of the stairs, mm-hmm. sideboards, 
console tables, mantles, floors, anywhere. And the other big thing is, I suppose, and coming back to it again, is nativity scenes. People like to kind of have that in the corner of the house somewhere or somewhere in the hallway. Natural greenery, again, I think the whole thing, bringing the outside in and go out and with your kids, which I think is a lovely thing to do. Go out and get the berries for palms and people are adding mistletoe and different things like that. Eucalyptus and stuff like that to vases, to garlands, everything. And I suppose the other one that will always be there will be your garlands, your ribbons, your poinsettias and, you know, like your Christmas tree ornaments. You know what I mean? Yeah. They will always be a big focus. So they are things I think people will always, always have. Yeah, it's, it's poinsettia weekend now in our house because what I do every year is I buy a poinsettia a month before and bring it in and we put okay. it up in the kitchen and that's the start then then we can bring everything else out <laughs> <laughs> someone's daddy has one set up there we go <laughs> that's it yeah, that's it listen daddy means business off we go <laughs> in comes the poinsettia and then you see what happens then you see the green bee is very handy with plants so what she does is she tries to keep it going we got a poinsettia into June Right, right oh through God. spring, right through spring. It was beautiful. So, yeah, that's the start. And this is Pinsetta Weekend in my house. Toy Show and Pinsetta Weekend, they happen at the same time. Very good. Very there you good, go. Maura, pleasure speaking with you, as always, on the Opinion Line. Uh, house stager and interior designer. Hope we got some ideas from that. We live in a nutcracker village at home, by the way. I, I, I will, I will put some on, on my social of all the nutcrackers. I'd say we must have 30 of them at this stage. In our house, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Just on the paediatric hospital, it's great. This issue is being highlighted. Myself and my wife were in Temple Street for about three months with our child. It's really stressful having to drive up and down every week, especially when you're working as well. To be fantastic to have a facility in Cork, as it's so badly needed. Fair play to David for his interest in this idea. But as we know, as long as we have a Fine, Fine Gael, Fine Fáil government, it's going to be a non-runner. They've neglected the health service over the years. Hey, PJ, would it not make sense to put that 80 million towards a new hospital outside of the CUMH? Will there be an ICU in the new hospital? Uh, my daughter had to go to Temple Street in the middle of the night two years ago because they've no children's ICU in Cork. On COVID in the schools. Hi, I have a daughter in Loretto and Formoy. Same story. She's coming home shaking with the cold. They're not allowed to wear hoodies or coats in class either. The heating can be on, but sure, all the windows are open. Would you mind telling me, if anybody's listening in Loretta Winfermoy or in any school, why, when you're trying to ventilate rooms this time of the year, cold weather, why would you not let the child wear a jacket or a hoodie or a hat in the classroom? Why, like... That doesn't make sense at all. 1850-715-996. I must give you the question again. I forgot to give you the question in the last hour. The question for our Panto giveaway with the Everyman Aladdin opening on the 8th of December. And on the 9th of December, we want to send you and the family to the Panto and also to dinner. Uh, today, the dinner is in Thompson's. At Thompson's on the on McCourton Street. So we've two prizes, two sets of tickets and two dinners today. And the question is complete the theme song to Aladdin. A whole new blank. A whole new blank. What is the answer? Give me the answer and your name to 083 
3969696 and we'll put you into the draw. Can we just the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Adele, have you heard any of the album except for Easy On Me? No. No, I haven't heard any I'm either. I'm guessing there's lots of piano, lots of... Lots of piano, lots it, of sadness. Yeah. I've been obsessed with a nuclear family my whole life because I've never came from one. You know, it's in, in all these movies and all these books, that's what it should be. Yeah, she wants a nuclear family. Come to Cork, both families go, nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about my slippers? <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at milldc.com. Cork's 96FM. Only minutes away from the next go on the opinion line. I'd say you can guarantee we'll do it in the next 20 minutes. Guarantee that. Another round of the 10k toy giveaway with Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Also on the Children's Hospital if you want to help with fundraising for that uh, buyabrick.ie is the website buyabrick.ie Dr Milan was on again just to let us know that that is there 1850 now I spoke to Laura Debarra on the show before the, the gaff goddess the book of Shiai and I thought I can learn an awful lot from that book myself uh, and I did her new book is called Decor Galore and the essential guide to styling your home and it won an award at the On Post Book Awards this week. Congratulations, Laura, and welcome back on the Opinion Line. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to speak with you. As I said, uh, she I why. <laughs> There's a lot of it learnt in my place, and it wasn't just the she that learnt. I learnt an awful lot from that <laughs> from that first book. So the the, the next the, the next book, styling your home, decor galore. Mm-hmm. What's that? You move room by room through the house with more tips and tricks. Yeah, it's more like it probably if Gas Goddess could have been twice the size, it could have been in there. Um, it's still got a lot of like tips on repairs and painting and it teaches you about water systems in the home and things like that. But then there's also like how to style your home like the way you want it, because I just think there's a lot out there on buying for the home and it, almost like fast fashion. And, and it's time to slow that down, how to reuse things how to kind of be more conscious with your shopping, buy well, slow down, um, kind of enjoy the little things in the home instead of kind of like styling things around the aesthetics alone, you know? Mm. There's a piece about using reusable bags. You're, you're big on this. It's on your Instagram as well. Using reusable <laughs> bags as a storage unit in the kitchen. Yeah, because there's a part in the book where we talk about how to set your kitchen cupboards up correctly. And even if someone wants to pull out their kitchen, they should still do this because it goes around the kind of teachings of the working triangle and how to organize the cupboards so that you cook whatever you cook normally as smooth as possible. And in that, um, on Instagram, then I put up a video showing how I do it, how I store everything. I live in a rental. I'm not going to put money into like buying loads of plastic and stuff like that to fill up my cupboards. So I just cut the ends off um, like strong paper bags 
And then I'm able to just slide them in. Usually a size uh, small to medium shopping bag is actually the same depth as a kitchen cupboard. And they just slide in and you can just pull out each one as you're cooking. One can be for spices, another one for like nuts and stuff like that. And it just neatens up the cupboard, but you're not harming the environment. You're not harming your pocket. It's really easy to do. People have loads of bags hanging around anyway, and you can just reuse them properly. There's always one press in the kitchen. In fact, if you're if you're lucky, it's only one. But there's always one press that with the best will in the world, every time you put a hand on it to open it, you go, is it safe? Is everything <laughs> going to fall out of my head? There's always one. Have we figured out yet why there is always that one press? Well, I always think that on the first day you move in somewhere, you kind of have the best intentions to put everything away so that it looks nice. And we don't actually think about how the things are being used and when they're being used. And as well, like not every single kitchen is set up with all these like new kind of modern drawers and cupboards and stuff. So it tends to be longer kind of utensils and stuff like that that end up, we just end up cramming them in somewhere because there's no place for them. So I always say like, you're getting into winter now, there's going to be more days spent at home. Why not just do a day like judging your kitchen cupboards and you'll find that you don't end up with that one cupboard full of stuff because everything will be in a, like a strategic place that mm. helps you cooking to cook in a lot smoother way. Yeah, or the storage of stuff, stuff that you know you're going to use yeah. sometime. Yeah. Do you know, but if you, you know, you know that there, that I, I'm going to, if I move that, what's going to follow me head? Do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> and there's one in every kitchen, but I guess move through it and like I said, take out what you're not going to use. Now, one video I loved on your, your inter- Instagram, Laura, was, mm-hmm. uh, and we can be, both myself and Queen Bee can be a family of gloopers. So you're out having something to eat. And mm-hmm. straight away down the front of the shirt, there's a gloop. Right? <laughs> yeah. And the one with the sweatshirt. Tell us the one with the sweatshirt where you got grease on it from fish and chips. Because oh I thought God. that was genius. So this one, and I'm not joking, all of my friends were like, why haven't we learned this before? So I'm quite messy when I eat anyway, and I'm always chatting. So if you have any oil stains on sweaters or like shirting or anything like that, just get, um, I get a dab of washing off liquid onto my finger massage it into the stain and then throw it into the wash as normal because washing up liquid is designed to break down oil and grease stains that are clinging, clinging to things and yeah. there, it's also kind enough to hands which means it's kind enough to fibres so it's going to just gently be more attractive to the oil than the fabric that it's sitting on and it'll just come right out even if it's old like if you have a jumper that you're like I don't want to throw it out but it's oil stained. You can try ironing with a brown paper bag, but the washing off liquid is the best one to yeah. get oil and grease stains. Because it's an emulsifier. It breaks up the, the thing. Yeah, and it's basic also because it's like um it's it's designed basically to like lift it right off without causing harm. It's perfect for fibers because a lot of times stain removers are too strong. So you can even use like if it's an oil stain that's been on it for like a year and a half, it will still break it down. So just massage it gently in. If you're mm. using it on whites, I would just use like a yellow, like washing up liquid rather than a blue or something, just in case it, some brands, who knows, could stain. I've never had a stain, but I always have mm. to warn. Um, and you just rub it into it and it can be on really old stains as well. And then you just throw it in and it'll take it right out. Yeah. Various stains are problematic in various ways. Like, for example... Mm-hmm. 
we've all we've all come across it where you 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 cut your you cut your arm or something, right? You and and mm-hmm. there's a there's blood in the shirt, and you only realise mm-hmm. it when you take it off to wash it. Like, can you do anything for a dried in blood stain? You can, like dried in is always harder, like with stains, like I think it's around page 50 in Gaff Goddess, there's a whole thing on stains, how they're broken down, what they're made of, and each type needs to be tackled in a different way. And it's kind of, I wanted to have it like a Bible so that when something goes, oh God, that's after happening, you can just run to this section and just look at the type of stain and what it's going to need. But blood, then it's going to be like a protein stain. So that means it comes from something living. And you, with like most um, washing detergent now uh, when you buy bio if you don't have really sensitive skin it's fine to use bio has enzymes in it and these enzymes love to break down anything biological like any kind of protein stains so usually that will actually just lift the blood stain out but what I that's if it's an older blood stain you can also get like bicarbonate of soda make it into a paste and leave it on the blood stain for about a half an hour before you throw it into the wash um, vinegar can work as well but what I would always do is try and wash as much of it off as you can with cold water. Never mm. use anything warm on a protein stain because it actually just becomes the last stage in setting it into the fabric. And what people usually make a mistake with, with blood is they wash it through the fabric instead of off the fabric. So turn it round to the other side and pour the water from the side that the blood didn't go on to, if gotcha. you know what I mean? Because yeah. otherwise you wash it through the layer of fabric. Yeah. And it's just and one of those usually, awkward things that you get like from time to time. It is, yeah. And you can get like, even when you get blood stains on bedding and things like that, the, like the act quickly. If you see it in the morning, just pop in, turn the sheet around onto the other side, wash it off the fabric. You can, people will use things like salt because it will draw it out as well. That can always be a good one. But I will usually just get it straight into a kind of pool wash with a bio detergent and it should lift it for you. Gotcha. Smells as well. There's nothing worse than mil- spilt milk. Yeah. That you didn't, oh, right, again, you didn't quite realise. <laughs> I know. It's better, I, I get this a lot when people, it's either spill milk or like kids get sick in a car seat or in the back of the car. Again, it's because it's a protein stain. It comes from something living, it's going to stink. So what is actually really good here is, especially if it's kids and pets, and even yourself, like, you're precious. You don't want to be using loads of toxins. Like, I know it's really trendy for, like, all these kind of, like, spray products that put more smell into the air, but they're so bad. They cover up instead of getting rid of. So bicarbonate of soda is your friend. I always say, like, if you have young kids... Even having like a little drum of it like in the car somewhere. So if something does happen, all you'll do is take all the excess of the stain off, dry it as much as you can, and then just pop the bicarbonate of soda onto the stain, leave it overnight, and then hoover it off. If your fridge stinks, just wipe as much as possible of the milk out, put a bowl of bicarbonate of soda, about a cup, cup and a half, onto a shelf, leave it for a day, two days if you need it, freshen it up on the third day and that should kind of neutralize the smell as well. Bicarbonate of soda basically absorbs odors. So instead of masking it, it actually takes it away with you. So when you throw it into the bin, it's got the smell with it. Gotcha. Yeah, and pets as well. I mean, much as we love them, (laughs) much as we love them, they leave smells around the place. Uh, And even even clean smells. I don't mean the the nasties, you know, but again, will it it neutralize pet smells? It does. Like if you, what if I had a dog basket, for example, that I wanted to get kind of like neutralize the smell of, I would actually spray it down with a mix of water and vinegar. 
Um, in summertime, it's easier to do that and then leave it outside because the sun is actually a really good deodorizer as well. But in winter, I would just sprinkle bicarbonate of soda into the pet basket and then leave it overnight again and just hoover it off. You might need to do two nights in a row. It's really good for carpets as well. Like some dogs have a spot on a carpet that they yep. love to sit on, but it kind of leaves an odor. So just yep. sprinkle bicarbonate of soda over it at night. If you look at any deodorizer, uh, kind of like the shake and vax and all that kind of stuff, they all have bicarbonate of soda in it. Like it's actually the like, strongest thing. Most mm. high street shop-bought cleaners are trying to copy natural cleaners. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it became a buzz that people were buying. So you want to go back to make it as natural as possible. Right. And is it safe to put bicarbonate of soda, say, on a carpet and, and leave it there overnight and hoover it up? Yeah. Yeah, it won't do any bleaching. It won't do any kind of like changing to the color or the okay. fibers or anything like that. It is. It can be a bit of an emollient. So you just don't want to rub it in. You just want to sprinkle it on. I put it on my couch quite often. Or if a tenant moves out in a flat, right. I also think it's only fair if you're moving and you don't want the like the scent of the person before you. Yeah. <laughs> so I always put it on. And then I leave it there. And when I come back the next day to the final clean, I'll hoover it off. Mm. And the kind of and also your hoover. If you have, you find that every time you turn on your vacuum, there's a smell in the room. After you've cleaned your filter, just fill the drum of bicarbonate of soda, like by hoovering it off the floor, leave it overnight and it'll freshen up your vacuum as well. Gotcha. On the, and and the bicarbonate, I mean, it is a, a thing of many talents. Like, for example, in a room where pets are constantly in and out, can you mm-hmm. do things like leave maybe a, a decorative bowl of it on, on can, a shelf? You can, and I always find, like, instead you could use, like, um, some oils as well. You know, like, I find that, like, I have a vaporizer here instead of, like, loads of candles and stuff like that. And it's just water and some essential oils that I put into it. And then that is not emitting something, like, bad for me into the atmosphere. But you can change them. Then, like, you can put something citrus. Or I, like, I personally like to use in the times that we're living in, the antibacterial ones, naturally antibacterial, so eucalyptus, witch hazel, stuff like that. And I'll put that on in a room and it will just get rid of the smell. Or I'm a big fan of catalytic lamps. They were used at the start of the 19th century um, when the influenza kind of plague was around. And what they do is they actually cleanse the air and then they put in a smell. They used to use them in hospitals, but now they've become really fancy for homes. I adore them. If you cook a bacon sandwich and you put one of them on, 15 minutes later, the smell is gone. Crikey, that's that's. I love them. There's, there's a bit in it in, in yeah. Decor Galore on how they work. It, it, there's a science behind it, and I just think they're brilliant. Cool. Coming up to Christmas, and people, mm-hmm. you know, the, the worst things get spilt. Red wine, <laughs> and the best things get spilt. <laughs> Red wine on a cream-coloured carpet. Oh, it's like, seems to be my talent if I know the cream colour carpet to knock a glass of wine on. I just seem to be like a pro, um, which is why I have it in Gath Goddess on how to clean it up as well. So what you see a lot of people right, do, yeah. they'll, well, and salt, you see, some different brands of salt have some things in it when it's table salt that doesn't actually do the best job that it can do. And it can, can make it a bit worse because you never really get it out. Instead, what you want to, and some people pour white wine onto red wine. Um, but if you think of you're adding more liquid to a stain, you're spreading the stain through the carpet and it can be impossible to dry it off. Then you get mold, all of that. So instead, what you want to do is first of all, contain the stain. So you want to start blotting out the excess. Always use a white cloth. Never use anything of color because it'll 
it'll um, transfer the dye onto the fibers. So don't reach for like a green cloth or anything or you'll have two problems on your hands. And then you want to just blot from the outside in. A lot of people start in the center of the stain and then what you'll notice 15 minutes later is the wine has seeped through even more of the carpet. So you go from the outside in, take out as much of the wine as possible, like keep going to a new spot on the cloth to kind of start blotting it out. Then you want to get some warm water and washing up liquid again, which is fat and okay to use on fibers. And you just want to soak it in it, then squeeze it out and do another round of blotting. Two to three rounds of blotting and just pressing it, never rub, like just roll it against the fibers. And you'll just start seeing the wine transfer onto the cloth and you'll be able to get it out perfectly then, no matter what type of carpet that it is. And then you just want to go over it with a dry cloth and keep blotting it so it doesn't get moldy afterwards. Don't apply heat, it'll only set the stain. And just use, don't need any other gimmicks. It's that simple. And so many people use that method and are like, I didn't think it could work. But I like to use things that are in the house as much as possible because I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's, um, it wouldn't be, I, I just, I'm more conscious than that, like not telling people they need all these products. You know, you have washing up liquid in the house. There's so many ways you can use it. All right, listen, Decor Galore is the new book, follow up to Gaff Goddess. That's Laura Debarra. We could stay chatting all day about things to do around the house and get, get, get stains out and smells out. Go get the book, Decor Galore. Thanks, Laura. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. See mig.ie. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Text or WhatsApp now on 083 3 96 96 96. For your chance to play our 10K toy giveaway. Take it on a shopping spree. Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre for toys, food, fashion and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Yeah, we did it. We gave you the cute call. Here she is. Deirdre. Hi, how are you? How are you? Now, we've had quite a good success on the opinion line. Three of our daily winners have gotten through to be... the Our, our qualifiers have gotten through to be daily winners. So hopefully you can join them and get another €500 Euro toy shopping spree. Could you spend 500 easy enough? Oh, I think I could. <laughs> Who do you have? I have two daughters. Okay. What? And their lists are long. <laughs> what ages are they? They're 8 and 11. Oh, the longest lists in the world. Yes, yes, the longest yes. lists in the world. I may tell you, when you have daughters, it doesn't. the, the lists don't get any shorter, I may tell you now. I'm beginning <laughs> to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see if we can help out. I have a question for you. Uh, it's an A or B answer, uh, okay. Deirdre, and here we are. What brand is famous for the Christmas jingle, Holidays Are Coming? Is it A, Tato, or B, Coca-Cola. It's a guess. I'm going to say B. You'll be saying right. Holidays are coming. Holidays. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I don't watch TV too often, so I miss out on all the ads. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Well, there you go. You're through to the draw this evening with Lorraine. 
Okay. Perfect. So that's the best we can do for you is get you through to the draw. Thank you so much. Have a good day. I'll pass you back on there to Fiona. So that's Deirdre, our latest qualifier from the opinion line. The draw this evening for two 500 euro toy shopping sprees. The Cork's 96FM 10k toy giveaway with Douglas Village Shopping Centre. 50 years at the heart of the village. People asking me as well in the last few days, is it back? Is it coming back? Yes, it is coming back. What am I talking about? Cork's 96mas is back. Tell you more in the next few days. 1850-715-996. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, if I didn't say it already, to any of our American friends or uh, people listening to us in America. Happy Thanksgiving. And tomorrow, of course, Black Friday. And as always, it's a sale day for everybody and the travel industry no exception. Sarah Slattery, travelexpert.ie. Hi, Sarah. Hi, TJ. How are you? Good. I was reading through your website this morning. There's any amount of stuff out there. And long haul, very popular. I know. Um, I, I, it's strange to be talking long haul again, isn't it? We're so used to digital COVID certs in Europe and everything. But actually, the ironic thing is we seem to have kind of gone full circle now that because you need negative PCR tests to get on a plane to go to the States or to go to nice exotic destinations like the Maldives, um, you kind of feel almost safer going to some of those destinations than you do going in Europe at the moment. So I think as well, people have, um, haven't traveled, so they're looking for that sort of booking list experience. And if they're going to go, they might as well uh, go somewhere uh, and make it count. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, interest in long haul at the moment. Yeah, like the Maldives. I mean, it's kind of the holiday you dream about and you say, right, maybe for some huge wedding anniversary or something. But it's, it's as close as to affordable tomorrow as the Maldives is ever going to get. That's it. It really is. Um, there's some great sales at the moment. Qatar Airways have fantastic sale and the flights are 700 euros return. Um, you know, it's not going on sale until tomorrow, but you can see, you can see it on their website there. And, um, there's a great company that, um, I travel with simply Maldives and they deal with travel agents. So. They've got some great deals of 25% off next summer, free upgrades from um, from full board to all inclusive and uh, lots of different promotions going on. And a lot of the travel agencies are kind of getting on board with this as well. So I know I think in Cork there, Travel Focus have a further 200 euros off this week for Black Friday. So, yeah, destinations like the Maldives that you may have thought were, you know, inaccessible or, or, or not affordable for people who haven't traveled in a couple of years, you know, it just might be the time to book one of those bucket list destinations. Yeah, you mentioned Aer Lingus and flying to the US. They have a big one going. They have a Black Fly Day, they're calling it. They have loads of discounts. They do, and they have European city breaks as well. But I thought the American ones were particularly good. Um, like it's 195 return to go to um, New York there from January to March on selected dates. Like you'd never see prices like that, 195 on a direct flight. Uh, th- what they're doing is they're doing 100 euros off um, the USA and Canada. So when they were 295, they're now 195. So I mean that's just incredible value and again just going back to what I was saying at the start you know everybody on that plane going to the states has a negative test so you kind of feel quite safe uh, traveling in, in that environment at the moment at so the moment, it's, yeah. it's it's definitely what something to, to, to kind of be aware of yeah one of my favorite sites booking.com they're doing a black friday yeah, 30% off and lots of Irish hotel deals there yeah. as well. 
Um, it's 30% off um, pretty much around the world, various hotels around the world. But they have like, um, I saw the Wyatt there in Westport, which is right in the centre of Westport, uh, for €35 Euro per person for a night. Like there's lots of hotels at that kind of €70 Euro price. So lovely kind of Christmas yeah. gift idea to book a night away. Yeah. Um, Mount Juliet, 78 quid. That, 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 that's serious value. I, you know, I, I kind of tend to feature Mount Juliet nearly most years and it always is really popular for Christmas gifts. Um, I stayed in it myself and I love it. And But that's 78 euros. That, that, that's per person, but it includes breakfast as well. And the breakfast there is amazing. So for a five-star luxury hotel, again, that's just a gorgeous present to have. And th- there's lots of dates available as well. I have all the dates listed on, on the website. Yeah. But, like you can get that in April, in February. And, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's not just like, you know, one Wednesday in January kind of thing. That's you know? exactly what I was going to say. There was a time when all these things, I said, yeah, but I can't go then, can I? There's loads of availability for loads of different dates on, on a lot of these offers. There is. Now, Friday and Saturday nights would probably not be those prices, but you'd get Sunday night. And I think, um, again, a lot of people have annual leave to take. So it's not a case of years ago where, you know, you didn't have holidays. A lot of people have days to take. So if you go on a Sunday, you're still only taking one day off. So I always kind of say it's a good it's a good thing to 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 watch out for, particularly with Irish days, because you get really good value on a Sunday night's day. Yeah, yeah, there's loads of them there. Uh, Tui package holidays, of course, people will be booking again for next summer. They have a Black Friday offer. Yes, and a lot of families looking to book nice summer holidays next year. Um, really, really good deals. Depending on how much you spend for a couple, it's like a hundred euros off if you spend a thousand. But for a big family holiday, people booking all inclusives or water park holidays and things like that, you get two hundred and fifty euros off, which is quite a lot. It's um, handy to have in your pocket. 3, Very handy exactly, to have in yeah. your pocket. Exactly, yeah. Right. And again, it's just this weekend. And with so many people booking early for next year, and most companies have like flexible booking options as well. So, you know, if you put your deposit down, you can usually change your dates or, you know, you're not. It's, it, it, I mean, obviously check the terms and conditions because each one is different. But most of them now are, are offering this flexible booking. Great. Um, so, you, you, you know, there's no kind of fear that you're, if restrictions change, you lose your money or things like that, you know. Okay. Plenty of deals to be had Black Friday travel was the travel is Sarah's website thank you Sarah we'll talk again now we're saying all morning it's now up to the full five concerts the full set of five concerts on sale and Vera Toomey what what time are you up since hi PJ how are you how are you um, Oh, well, I was really, I was, I'm not, a, mustn't be a proper fan at all because I, I, I missed the eight o'clock. Right. Uh, I, my, my daughter Ava was up chatting for a long time last night, so I didn't get up early this morning. But uh, she, there's, um, I tried, I started only about an hour ago. Right. And there was um, 80,000 people in the queue. And now I've looked at, there's a tab open while I'm talking to you. Right. <laughs> So I think it's down to 49,500. Well, hold on there now. Melissa. Hi, PJ. Hi, Vera. Hi, Melissa. How are you? I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Vera, I've been following your story down through the years and it's lovely to speak with you. My name my name is Melissa Noonan and I'm living in Killarney and I saw Hi. your post on Twitter. I'm following you on Twitter and you're following me. So I saw your post on Twitter the other day about the Garth Brooks tickets. Yeah. So I wrote a note down to go online at 8 o'clock this morning, especially <clears throat> to try and get tickets for you, for Garrett Brooks. So I what? succeeded. So basically, to cut a long story short, You're going. I'd, like, I'd like to offer you two tickets to Garrett Brooks on the 10th of September, Saturday the 10th of September. 
stop for words. Vera Toomey, stop for words. Stop the press. You deserve it, Vera. Vera, you're some woman for one woman. You really are. I really admire you. And it's just a Christmas present to, to you. You know, I can't do it for everyone, but I really admire Nicola. you. Melissa, and, that's, um, that, that, yeah. that is so lovely. We'll put you in touch off the air. I, slap bang out of time. Vera Toomey, sorted for Gareth Brooks by Melissa. Put you back on to both of them there, Fiona. Our panto winners today, Trish McGill and Deirdre Brennan. A whole new world is the rest of the song. See you tomorrow back after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.